preach in Jesus' name this morning. Certainly a blessing to be here. What's the highlight of your Sunday morning worship service? Well, could be different things to different people. One of the highlights of my Sunday morning worship service is watching the children go to Sunday school. They are smiling, and some are holding hands, and they are not wasting any time to get to their Sunday school class. It seems like it might be even a little bit of a competition who gets to the door first to get to open the door and turn on the light and and everybody's smiling and just <coughs> ready for Sunday school. And if you want to see a child that's really, really, really smiling, it's the first time they get to go to Sunday school. And they talk about how they're going to go to Sunday school, when they're going to allow, be allowed to go to Sunday school. And when that's, that Sunday comes, it is, wow, a big Sunday. They get to go to Sunday school. And then I hear them singing in Sunday school, and I hear the songs they sing. Every once in a while, if I'm sitting where Lynn is sitting, I peek in the window. And they're coloring, they're cut out, and they're singing at the same time. Children have a phenomenal ability to do two things at once. They can color and they can sing. And I hear them saying their verse and they're saying their verse and they're saying their verse, practicing their verse. And after a while, we get a couple of dings on the bell and, and the door comes open and out comes the children. They all line up and they have their little sheets and they hold them in front. They're cut out and... and and they say their verse when it's time. And I think about that, and I think about Sunday school. And after much thought, I've come to the conclusion personally that probably because of what I was taught at home and what I was taught at Sunday school that everything that I needed to know to get to heaven I learned by the age of five, eight maybe thank you everything I needed to know
but we'll talk about that later. I was thinking about the blessing of Sunday school and like, where did this all start? What happened? And so, of course, I googled Sunday school and started reading and I, this particular article I read, said that uh, the first known Sunday school was in 1751. 1851, 1951. That's within two years when I was born. So about 250 years ago, 270 years ago, there was a Sunday school held at St. Mary's Church in Nottingham, United Kingdom, Sunday School. Or was that the first one? Turn with me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19.13, in the margin of my Bible, I have written Sunday school with a question mark. I don't know where and when that got in there. I, I really don't know. But uh, Matthew 19.13, then were, then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Now, do you think that the children would have been attracted to Jesus if he didn't tell stories? I, I just can't imagine. Now, I'm reading too many lines here, but I just can't imagine that Jesus could have a lap full of children without telling the story. You know, they, they brought him so they could pray, put his hand on them and pray. But I, 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 would, I would tend to think that Jesus had a story for the children. He had a children's story. So I don't know. That's conjecture, I suppose. Um, but that's why I have a question mark behind the term Sunday school in my Bible. That was in 1751. In 1780 in England, there was a Sunday school. And in that Sunday school, it consisted of more things than our Sunday school consists of. In that Sunday school, they studied reading, they studied writing, and they studied ciphering. Now, ciphering is an antique word for arithmetic. So when you want to and a knowledge of the Bible. So they had reading, writing, arithmetic, and a knowledge of the Bible. That was in 1780 in England. Now, you may wonder why they had reading, writing, and arithmetic in Sunday school. 
Well, probably the reason why is in 1780, probably only 50% of the adults could read. So if you lived in 1780, if this was a Sunday's morning in 1780, and the preacher read the Bible, if he could read, hopefully he could, only half of the congregation could follow in the Bible and figure out where he was, where he was reading from. They just simply couldn't read. And so not only... Uh, so if you wanted somebody to be able to go home and read what they studied in Sunday school, you had to teach them how to read. Okay? And if you had to teach them how to read, if they were going to fill in their blanks to come back for next Sunday, you had to teach them how to write. Okay? So, I'm not sure where the arithmetic came in. For I figured, yeah, well, you throw that in for good measure, I suppose. I mean, how do you know seven days in a week? If you, That's all part of arithmetic, too, I suppose. So, so they had reading, writing, arithmetic, and they had a, a spiritual lesson with that. The first known Sunday school in the United States was started by Samuel Slater in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And he started that Sunday school for the children of the employees of his textile mill. Now, I find something very interesting Locally, the Crane Chapel, where we've had uh, at least two Maranatha programs, Crane Chapel, right beside the Hormel meet, was started as a Sunday school for the employees of Hormel meet. That's how that church got started. It started as a Sunday school. It eventually developed into a congregation. And I think the efforts of that starting at Sunday school was within Hormel itself. Now, don't quote me on that, but I, if, I, if my memory serves me right. So we have, we have Sunday schools starting, and not, it wasn't normally on a Sunday morning. It was most likely Sunday afternoon when there was a Sunday school. So you came to church, you went to church, and you went home, you ate lunch, and then you went to Sunday school. And that was pretty much it. In, in the early days of America, 1820s, something like that, they developed what they called a Sunday school union, which promoted... American civil religion, which was a mixture of Christian doctrine, morality, and American patriotism. So, if you went to Sunday school, um, you, you learned what the Bible says, you learned what's right and what's wrong, and you learned that you need to be loyal to the flag and all the different things that went with American patriotism. So, in the early days of, of the Mennonites coming into America, this is what they found when they, when they viewed Sunday schools. The Mennonites did not have Sunday schools when they came to America. 
And because of that mixture that I just described, there was a lot of hesitation in my circles about Sunday school. However, uh, at least in the area where I grew up, some of the Mennonites allow their children to go to Sunday school, Sunday afternoon, at a non-Mennonite church. But the consequence of doing that was the Mennonites were losing their youth to other denominations because of their interaction in Sunday school. And that became uh, quite a concern. I, I could imagine that if I would have been there at that era. And so some would some looked at that and they said, well, because the youth are leaving for other denominations, that means that Sunday school was bad. That, that answers that question. Sunday school is bad because if you have Sunday school, you lose your youth. Others said, well, Sunday school is a very effective way of teaching children, so all we need to do is take the method... Give the, give the curriculum a biblical foundation and then initiate that into our congregations and when we do that then we'll be able to teach our children like the non-Mennonite denominations do yet be able to keep our youth. So two schools of thought. It's all bad. And the progressive said, the method's good, but all we have to do is alter the method. And so, the, there was a diversity of thought. And that diversity of thought, at some times, was uh, that change in thought, that ability to except this new method sometimes came by peacefully sometimes it did not come by peacefully it took patience on those that never had Sunday school and it took patience on those that were promoting Sunday school <clears throat> now in the community where I grew up you had the promoters of Sunday school and at the same era they had what they called the beginning of protracted meetings. Alright, so so the non-Mennonites, they would have like a whole week of, of meetings. But the Mennonites didn't. So, uh, so you have this whole idea of Sunday school, you have all the whole idea of protracted meetings. A protracted meeting at that time was defined as anything more than two evenings in a row. So, uh, and then you had people who uh, wanted to have evening meetings. At that time, in the community where I grew up, they had Sunday morning service every other week. So now we have going from Sunday morning service every other week to now a, a maybe a Sunday school and maybe a Sunday evening service. And, and then, not only that, but we could have services every 
People wanted services every night in a row for a whole week. So you have the people that's used to going to church once every two weeks to a group of people that wouldn't mind going to church uh, twice on Sunday and all day, all, I mean, all week long in the evening. This was breaking uh, new territory. So how, how, do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Well, the way they deal, dealt with it in, in, in Maryland was the Mennonites and the Dunkers got their heads together and they built a church house. A little church house. About, eh, maybe it would hold one-fourth, at the max one-third of their normal meeting house size. And they plunked this church house between, right in the center of all these churches. And so they could have Sunday school there. They could have evening meetings there. And they could have their protracted meetings there. They could have singing schools there. And it didn't happen in anybody's church. Now, as I look at that today, I say, you know, it's a little bit ridiculous. But on the other hand, it wasn't. These people were wise enough to know that what they did could be very offensive to their brother and sister in church. And so not, in order not to be offensive, in order to not to aggravate the situation, This wasn't matters of right and wrong. It's matters of how we always did it. It's matters of, of the something new type thing. They hit a common ground. Now, I'm not sure when that building was not being used. I, I remember that building being there. I had no idea as a youth why that building was there. Uh, we called it the Holy Roller Church. So sometime in the process of time, uh, it went from Mennonite slash Dunkers' hands to uh, Pentecostal. And so, actually, I don't even know if the building's still standing there today or not. But <clears throat> but it's interesting to me how that worked it out, how that all worked out. The earliest conference to accept Sunday school was the Indiana Conference uh, in 1870. Now, when the conferences or when these larger groups decided to officially take over to have Sunday school in their churches, it did cause some difficulty and parting of ways. Um, I understand today the Old Order Mennonites, the um, Whistler Mennonites, the Horning Mennonites do not have Sunday school. Am I correct in that? Okay. And that was that that division took place over that 
particular issue, and today, to this day, they do not have Sunday schools. Um, in my particular locality where I grew up, the first Mennonite Sunday school was in 1881, and in that locality, in the actual church where I attended, they started their Sunday school in 1892. So that was 11 years from the first Mennonite church in that community to have Sunday school to the one to church where I attended as a lad uh, begin to have Sunday school. So then, so it was kind of a time of change. Um, Sunday evening services came along and then they had revival meetings and came along and in order to, again, in order to not to cause difficulty, um, they would have two evenings of revival meetings at this church and two evenings of revival meetings at this church and two evenings of revival meetings at this church and two evenings of revival meetings at this church. Now everybody knew what was going on, alright? But it was a method that each congregation had two evenings of services. The same brother would move along. And uh, and it worked. So today I sat here, 125 years later, and I watched the children go to Sunday school. And I am blessed every Sunday morning. You know, sometimes people say, you know, if I just lived back in the good old days, you know, they didn't have threats of technology, they didn't have ISIS, they didn't have all these plagues that plague humanity today. It's just like, ah, you know, just back in the good old days, you know, if, if I could have lived in, say, 1800, you know, life is so much more simpler. You didn't have all this stuff to deal with. You had just, you know, you could just relax. <clears throat> no. I think Todd Miller summed it up when he said, if you believe in the good old days, it's obvious that, obvious that you have a poor memory and a vivid imagination. Poor memory and a vivid imagination uh, produces the good old days. <clears throat> if you look in the Old Testament... Sometime, if you have an opportunity to, to look at a timeline, and there's one posted at Maranatha Bible School, and I find it extremely interesting. A, a timeline. Where the kings and the prophets, you know, Adam and Eve, and then, you know, all these... Joshua and all these, and, and in Israel, and they, you know, deliver out of Egypt, and you have the, 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 you end up starting with the kings and the prophets and all this as it progresses. It's interesting, it's extremely interesting to look there 
And when there was a bad king, God plugged in a prophet. And they have a couple good kings. And then there's a bad king, and God plugged in a prophet. And the worse things got, the more prophets God plugged in. And toward the end, there was like four or five of them simultaneously living. When things were really, really, really going downhill. I find that extremely interesting. That God always takes care of his people. God is concerned, very much concerned in the era, the current era, and how it affects his people. Now, my grandma, I remember her sitting in her rocking chair, and she was born 1900. That or else 1899, I can't remember. My grand, one of my grandparents lived born 1899 and one was born 1900. And I remember her sitting in a rocking chair and she said to me, she says, Dennis, I wish that I would have had the opportunities that you have when I was a teenager. How many biblically sound books would they have had? Very, very few. Did they have a Christian day school? No. The first day of my school years was, when I was the first day of first grade, we had a brand new school with a capacity of 175, maybe something like that. 30 students in my grade alone. And we used worn out public school books. You know why? Didn't have anything else. That's it. So you took a public school book and you use a public school book, and the best thing you could do was use a public school book, and when it, you came to something, you just dealt with it. Because there wasn't any school curriculum, Christian school curriculum out there. There was very few Bible helps. Today, Rod and Staff, CLP, Pathway and Grace Press sell $11 million worth of printed material every single year. Now you compare that to the good old days of 1917 when my grandma was a bit of a teenager, 15, whatever. Good old days? Ah. But I can say, you know, you can say, well, then you have CLP, you have, uh, you know, Grace Press, you have Rod and Staff, you have all these uh, pathway, and and you can just catch yourself saying, so what? 
So what? Really? So what? And I'm sitting here, a recipient of all this effort and concern and forethought and whatever. And I can go on the internet and I can order 200 books from CLP if I wanted to. And I wouldn't have to worry one iota what was in those books. And I could hand any one of them to my child and don't even have to proofread it. And so I sit where Lynn's sitting and I peek in the window and I see the children coloring their verse cutouts and they're singing songs about how Jesus loves them. And how Jesus must be first and I need to be last and other people need to be in between there somewhere. And they come out and they say their verse. I will trust and not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And how God created the heaven and the earth. And how I will be sorry for my sin. And I sit and I am simply amazed how profoundly simple the gospel is that any three to five year old can grasp. So I came to the conclusion When I ask how do I how can I as an adult get to heaven, I go back and I say everything that I needed to know to get to heaven I was taught Sunday school and at home before I was six years old. But I think about those things. And I think about the things that I learned in Sunday school. And the blessings of Sunday school. And the highlight of my Sunday morning watching the children go to Sunday school. And the blessings of having a Christian day school. And all, all everything that surrounds us that we just like, oh wow. But I think about those things that I learned in Sunday school. And I did some more thinking. And I came to the conclusion I believe those are the hardest things to put into practice.
So I'm going to give you some things here that I learned in Sunday school that I find it very hard to put into practice. But if I can put them into practice, I can find my way to heaven. So when I'm done, I'm going to open it up for things that my list is not exhaustive in any, any stretch of imagination. But if you want to contribute some things you learned in Sunday school is helping you on your way to heaven. Very simple concept. I'm going to give you an opportunity when I'm done. But I was challenged. I was, I was, my heart was so grateful when I went down through this list. We need to be like Adam and Eve. We need to walk with our Creator every day. We have to learn that when God says no, He means no. And we have to learn that whatever we do, there's going to be a result of that doing, either good or bad. See, I learned that in Sunday school. I also learned that sin always makes everything worse. You can't sin and expect your life to improve. It's always going to go downhill. Guaranteed all the time. Sin always makes everything worse. If you want to be in the ark of safety, you're going to need to walk with God. Faith in God opens up the Red Sea. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What was the picture? Which side was it? I'm not sure. Over here, I think. Water? Is that what that picture was? There you go. Going through the Red Sea, right? Alright. Also learn... You may be able to lift big things and be really, really weak inside. And like Samson, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. Now, they didn't say it in those terms. I learned in Sunday school that God is bigger than Goliath, he's bigger than lions, and he's bigger than fiery furnaces, blazing fiery furnaces. Now, you think about these concepts, how it applies to our life as adults. Also learn, like Gideon, a few brave souls can do great things for God. I learned that wise men always seek Jesus. And what Jesus blesses will go a long way. It'll go a long way. And that Jesus loves people who have the heart of a child. Sometimes we say, just grow up.
or we may think that. Some things we shouldn't grow up. On the lap of Jesus is the best place to be. Always help someone who is hurt or in need, like the Good Samaritan. I learned that children need to obey their parents. We need to pray every day. We need to put others first. Treat others like you would want to be treated. Here's a tough one. Say, I am sorry. Be kind. Always be kind. Love those that hurt you. Always remember, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Stick together. Hold hands and help each other. Folks, this morning, it's a big, scary world out there. It's a big, scary world out there. Stick together, hold hands and help each other. Share! Just share. It's never nice to fight because it makes Jesus sad. My granddaughter was having a spat with a friend. I'm told I wasn't there. I don't know who one, which one said it first. He said, "Quit that," because it makes Jesus sad. And the other one said, "You're making Jesus sad too." Does that stop with the little children? And if we love Jesus, we will see him in heaven. So, would you leave, would you learn Sunday school? Any more to add?
foreign nation environments and it's a fearful thing to challenge biblical authority. Okay. My earliest recollection of giving was in Sunday school. We had a specific Sunday school offering given by the classes. Okay. My mom would always nod it, a quarter, a dime, or a nickel in the corner of her handkerchief, and I don't know why. We didn't have pockets or all. Because she's afraid to lose it. <laughs> the handkerchief is bigger than the penny or quarter or dime or whatever. And the offering uh, envelope always attracted me because it was a long, narrow envelope and it had two buttons on it with a string. The teacher would always take that string and wrap it around the button and seal it up. I don't know if they're available today yet or not, but it's just a memory that sticks up. So giving. end of our, uh, I don't know if it was a year or when we moved out of like preschool or primary or whatever, but our teacher would give us a little little book. And I treasure those books today. Teacher's handwriting in it. Books, not colored, but little pictures and uh, stories about children that did good and they were had good results and stories about children that didn't do so good and they had bad results. <laughs> Sunday school teachers have tremendous potential in their hands to impact small lives for Jesus Christ. Tremendous potential. So we need to pray for our Sunday school teachers. And bless them for what they've done. <coughs> 